Hey, Hard Yarders. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, This week's episode is brought to you by the Comedy Lounge, uh, one of the biggest and best uh, stand-up venues in Australia. Today we were joined by the one and only Kevin Mitchell. Oh, yeah. And we spoke about (laughs) There he is. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what did we speak about today, mate? Thank you so much for joining us. What did we speak about? Oh, look, we talked about uh, Marilyn Manson pissing in a fucking bowl. (laughs) Marilyn Manson being a dick. Um, (laughs) The next album coming out uh, on TikTok. Yeah. (laughs) That's right, my love of TikTok um, and all the the awesome dancing that I do on it. Um, (laughs) Lots of, lots of, lots of memories of, uh, you know, how Jeb and I got together and, um, and, the Bob Evans stuff and yeah. yeah. Um, you know, just some laughs and some good times. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. what I remember. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is a fucking awesome episode. Uh we really appreciate you coming on. Enjoy. Stay in the theatre, kids, and you can be a famous musician one day. <laughs> Shout <laughs> out to Bull Creek Leaving High School. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, perfect. All right, let's get hard. Let's get hard. Look at these men finishing <laughs> one sentence. I'll take the bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a crow. <laughs> You shall you not pass. You shall not pass. <laughs> he never did the W, but everybody else has done the W. <laughs> Listen all the way to the end and you'll see why he's the dumbest cunt on the planet. Yes. Grab a drink, settle down, and we'll see you in right now. Yeah. Hey, Hard Yarders, how are we today? Uh, we are joined. I'm very giddy. Uh, Delby knows I'm very giddy. This oh, yeah. is uh, a, a, a guest that I wanted to have on for a while. Um, I actually, uh, and I don't know if I should open the <laughs> the interview like this, but I bootlegged their uh, <laughs> album when I was in high school. Uh, we're joined by Kevin Mitchell, aka Bob Evans, um, lead singer of Jebediah. So, uh, how are you, mate? Hello, I'm well, thank you. Um, what uh, what record did you? Did you um, bootleg? The, the, when you say boot, yeah, when you say bootleg, what, what does that actually mean again? Just, <laughs> you just like he, he went into a CD store, took it off the shelf, and legged it out there. He bootlegged. All oh, right, <laughs> no, I, that's that, that's called shoplift. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the um, uh, the burning of the CDs back in the day. The walls, yeah, the, right. the, the walls fall down. Um, that album uh, that really. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think I remember. I came down to uh, it was Wanneroo Showgrounds actually. Um, Oh, yeah. It was one of those uh, community, um, I think it was the City of Wanneroo gigs, and they put on, yeah. I think it was you guys, maybe Little Birdie, a couple of bands like that. And, um, yeah, yep. front row, thought, I, thought thought it was fucking amazing. And then, I've got to get these guys' album, how good. <laughs> yeah. like, it didn't work after a few days, so I had what, to buy the real use? one. Was it LimeWire or, oh, or oh, Napster? No, I couldn't get it myself. I used to have to outsource. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, because when, when, I, when I hear the word bootlegging, my mind automatically goes to people who um, make sneaky recordings of live shows. Ah, you know? yeah, so, like, a, so whenever I hear of like, oh, you know, a bootleg concert or so, yeah, so it's someone who's w- gone into a concert with a hidden kind of recorded device and, and you know, yeah. unofficially, unofficially recorded a live concert. And, you know, you, <laughs> well, it's the, pretty much the quality everyone with of, their phones down. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. That's true. Everybody does. And, and I guess there isn't a market for so much for that anymore because people just do it themselves. I don't know because yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know. The, the boot it just doesn't seem to be a thing that exists anymore. I haven't even heard the word bootleg for such a long time. <laughs> I had to ask you, <laughs> ask you what you what it even meant because I'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> well, um, back when Branchy saw you, he had a thirty three ten or no mobile, so yeah. it wasn't even was possible. Playing, yeah, I was playing Snake, so he couldn't. <laughs> right, halfway yeah. through the set, I was like, I've just quickly got to finish this level, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, um, so for the people who were living under a rock, uh, especially throughout the 90s and early thousands. Well, uh, that's maybe, most people uh, in Rockingham yeah. living, <laughs> living under the rock, mate. <laughs> um, you're a, a local uh, Perth boy. Do you want to, like, I guess, take us through, I guess, your journey of um, the backstory of where you sort of started out? And, yeah, and so we kind of we kind of focus on people's hard yard journey and, you know, to be a touring artist is pretty awesome. So mm. I did read that um, you are the product of Leeming Theatre, Leeming High School <laughs> being a theatre boy, so... Do you want to talk about yes. a little bit how you got to yeah. where you were? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, myself and 
Well, all the members of Jeb and I went to Leeming High School. Brett, the drummer, is my older brother by three years. He wasn't involved in the theatre, but um, yeah, I heard he was a jerk and... off, mate. I heard he was a real jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> I, think he, I, think he, I think he played in a band called the Jerk Off. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's such a I, good name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, he introduced me to, to punk punk rock, to like Sex Pistols, and that's what he was getting into in awesome. high school. I was I was a total grunge head. But anyway, mm. myself and Vanessa and Chris, the other three members of Jebediah, we were all um, theatre yeah theatre kids so the high school had this really good theatre program and that eventually became a theatre company that involved not just kids from the school but kids from other schools as well came to be part of this theatre company so we there was always big productions every year and we even did a trip to Melbourne with a show once um, when I was in year 11 and so anyway yeah we, what was it Rockus Tedford <laughs> no, no I never did a Rockus Tedford I, I uh, this no, this was like it was an original show. It was like a commissioned uh, play oh, cool. or musical oh, wow. called Beijing Beijing Spring about the uh, Tiananmen Square massacre of nineteen eighty nine. Oh, yeah, and yeah, and we, Just some and light so, material there. <laughs> I know, yeah, <laughs> lovely, lovely stuff. Um, it's, uh, you know, it wasn't very good. Tiananmen <laughs> like, Square or the play. <laughs> But, well, both. Both were bad. Yeah. Both were bad things that should that probably never have happened. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, look, that's that's how we sort of, you know, we were we were all really good mates. And so by the time Jeb and I formed, which was my first, we we just finished. Me and Chris had just graduated from high school. We, we just started uni. In our first year of uni, and we formed Jeb. So we'd been friends for years by that point in time, and um, and I think that's kind of like the, that really, as it as it turns out, has been the glue that's kind of kept the band together for such a long, long time. Because yeah. I think you know, often people ask in interviews like, you know, what's the secret to longevity? You know, and and my answer is just don't break up. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much the pretty much the secret. But I I do see what. You know the trajectory for so many bands is you you know get together um you you have this upward traje- trajectory if you're lucky and um and you sort of have this peak of commercial popularity and success and then inevitably it happens to everybody i don't care who you are inevitably there's it that, that wave starts to crash and there's a downward point right you know people, you're not cool anymore people lose interest yeah, i'm still you know, trying to get over be... one direction so <laughs> well, that, you know it, that could happen on your second record it could happen on your fourth record but it's going to happen eventually right yeah, um yeah. and i think what happens with a lot of bands is when they reach that point in their in their this sort of natural life cycle of the band sorry my dog's barking in the background i might sort of let him inside yeah. um well um it's it's not as much fun anymore, and I think a lot of bands kind of look at each other and go, well, like this. I don't really, I don't know if I'm really friends with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even if your brother's you know, Liam Gallagher and Noel Gallagher, I don't right. even know if I like you. Eh? <laughs> even, even more so. Yeah. So it's like it's kind. Of, so what I see is like it's the success that is the glue that keeps the band together. Mm-hmm. And when that success, when you start to become vulnerable, that sex success starts to wane a little bit. Mm. Then that exposes everything else, and bands inevitably break up at that point. They always do. Yeah. We and we didn't, you know, because even. When you know we weren't sort of selling as many records and we weren't getting as many people to our shows by the sort of the mid two thousands, we were still really having fun and enjoying each other's company. Um, cool. We did inevitably did take a, a break after about ten years, and I that's when I started doing the solo stuff mm-hmm. and the like. Um, and everybody just did different things. Vanessa went and got a, a degree. Um, we did. I did some travelling. We uh, people got jobs. And, and was that like a mutual we, decision, or did you decide that was. you wanted to do it, or was everyone like, "Hey, man, let's let's sort of figure out what we want to do on our own and reconvene"? Or it was a mutual. It was a, it was a mutual decision in the way that all Gemini mutual decisions happen, which is um, I suggest something and everyone agrees. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So it was it was mutual like that. Um, that's you know. And so, yeah, I, I mean, there was other things that I wanted to do, but, you know, um, well, not just doing the Bob Evans stuff, but I, I wanted to travel too. My my partner, my wife now, but then girlfriend, um, you know, she was she was 
got this job uh, offer to go and work, live and work in, in Switzerland for six months. And, mm. um, oh, sick. And I wanted to, you know, spend six months in Europe, like living in her apartment rent-free and doing fuck all. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, there were other things like that, you know. And when you're in a band, um, you it's a marriage, you know, and you it, it takes priority over everything. You're always on tour. You're always working and, you know, you the amount of you, – you miss out on – Birthdays and weddings, yeah, and you know, yeah. you you know, you don't get you don't go on holidays. You don't, and you, you know, no, we, we travelled around Australia all the time, but we never we did a bit of touring in America and stuff. But um, you know, we we never got to the point where we were doing world tours, and so even just all our friends were starting to kind of like go backpacking and go travelling around the world, and we were just going round around Australia all, all the time. time it was great fun, mm. but you get after ten years, it's kind of like oh, there's there's other things I want to experience. Yeah. Well, you know. Because how old were you guys? Can. How old were you guys when this was happening? Probably like late twenties or yeah, uh, yeah, late yeah, twenties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so two two thousand and five. So I would have been yeah twenty eight. Yeah, um, and I so, feel like yeah, that's when 20s. even as a as a person you sort of start thinking, hey, what do I want to do? What do I want to see? Yeah. yeah, so exactly, it's a natural. Yeah, it's a really natural kind of process probably to go through in your head, regardless of what you're doing, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we had, you know, we went pretty much we were straight out of high school and into a band and touring and stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, we gave up our uni, you know, we all dropped out of uni and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so anyway, so, you, you know, got to that point and then, I, you know, started doing the solo thing. Um, but then the band um, in 2011, we, well, actually in 2008, so three years after our little split, uh, um, we got back together and started working in the studio and making a new record, which came out in 2011, um, called Kosciuszko. And then that ended up being really successful. And then, you know, all of a sudden it was like we were back to where we were in the late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. like, um, in terms of airplay and, the you know, the size of the gigs and stuff we were doing. And, yeah. um, and it was, you know, it was fantastic. So... You know, I, and I guess that's what I kind of look back on. I just think I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that we stuck it out and stuck together, and we had that f glue, that friendship, mm. that kept us bound together. Because if we had have broken up in 2005, which would have been the natural time where most bands would have done it, yeah, we would have missed out on so much cool shit that we've done in the, over the last ten, you know, eleven years yeah. since then. You know, like all the, you know, the we've done. Things we've done overseas, or the mm. festivals, or the you know, all the great. Even now, you know, we're doing these spring-loaded festivals all this year, which is like a total '90s nostalgia fest. It's yeah. like Brisbane and UMI and Gadget Day and yeah. Yeah. Friends of Rom and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, it right? looks so good. My best, my best mate. He is a huge fan, not only of you guys, and would be devastated if you guys did break up, but all of those bands, <laughs> and he wants to get in and have a watch. But it's a bit of a trip. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's just it's great fun, you know. And those kind of things are coming up all the time, and um, you know, all around Australia. And you know, we get to get together for a weekend and play a show, and you know, make a little bit of money and have a really good time. And like, it's fucking great, you know. Why yeah. would you like? Why would I ever want something like that to end? You that's know? pretty it's, cool. Um, it's the ultimate doing what you love and getting paid for it and being successful for doing something you love. So that's what this pod is all about. So that's yeah. unreal to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it, and it really is just you know for us it was just about you know just yeah hanging in there and getting it together. You know, a lot of bands too I've seen from the sort of late nineties, early two thousands that sort of in recent times have started to like do reunion kind of things. Yeah, and I, I like honestly, kiss. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, you know, like um, I mean, like uh, Motor Race is one that comes to mind, Jet, yeah, you know, that springs to mind, mm -hmm. and I. I totally, this is my interpretation of it, and I could be completely fucking wrong, but my interpretation of that is like, I, what I think has happened is the band's broken up, years and years have gone by, and you've got to a point, you're in your, your 30s or whatever, or late 30s even, and um, that you look back and go, oh, you know what, that was actually a really fun part of my life. and Let's relive really, our youth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really miss that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the reasons why we broke up was like people's egos or, you yeah. know, I mean, you're, when you're young, you know, you, you, that's kind of stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, 
And it's sort of like, oh, maybe things weren't that bad. Maybe, yeah. you know, when we broke up, maybe we were just, you know, Immature, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it, it's right. Maybe we're just immature. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe things weren't, maybe, maybe that was actually the best fucking fun I've ever had in my life. And I really want to yeah. um, do it again. So I, I could be wrong, but that's how I, as an outsider, that's uh, who's also a, a musician, yeah. that's how I kind of interpret that stuff. It feels similar to, uh, i got a mate called Optimus who was in Downside. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, he, yeah he's gone back to it. Um, probably exact same scenario you've just said. He's like, man, I love it. And so he's tried to um, get Downside back together and tour with Downside, which is uh, <laughs> exactly what you said, but in the hip-hop version. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's it. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I remember Downside. Um, um, ex, we, I think we shared a manager uh, for a while there. Yeah, right. I don't know if that's a back in the, back in the day. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we, we no longer share that. By the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> we yeah. both moved on. So. Hello, say- Heath. I was going to ask, <laughs> where you started sort of gigging, where you started uh, doing, I guess, Battle of the Band competitions, is did you is that how you started, just uh, open, almost like open mic nights? Yeah, um, I, heard the, I heard the big break was your school formal. <laughs> yeah. That was our first gig, yeah. but it wasn't, it, it was actually the year after we, Chris and I had graduated year 12, we went and played the, um, the year 12 formal of the year below us. Yeah. Tooley. I tell you for musicians. <laughs> that was our you heard it that first. was our first that was our first ever gig and um and yeah we, we, we played mostly covers. We hadn't even started writing originals at that point. Um yep. but yeah then then after that, you know, we were writing originals and it was like, okay, well we, what do we do next? And we didn't know anybody or have any connections whatsoever. So um that's why kind of things like band competitions are, I think, are so important and useful because it gives people who don't have connections. Because you know, mm. uh, as you guys probably, because you guys are um, stand up comics and stuff, right? Yeah, I'm a stand up. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll nod and say yeah. yes. I'm a stand up comedian. <laughs> no, so Delby, I'm the stand up, and, and Branch is uh, my protege. Tr- he's I'm he's done ten gigs. <laughs> yeah, but I'm about oh, seven okay. or eight years in. So, well, when it comes to like. You know, any kind of grassroots live performance, yeah. whether it's, you know, bands playing in pubs or stand-up comics or whatever. So much of it is just about networking and knowing somebody who can, you know, throw you on a bill somewhere yep, yep. and do all that kind of stuff, right? If, right? if you don't know anyone, it's almost impossible, you know, and I know because people have told me, um, you, you don't even know where to start. It's like, well, how do I even get a gig? So band competitions, we, we did the university campus band competition, which was a national competition. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff, it is really important because it's like, oh, well, anybody can get a gig. Like, it, like you, you don't even need to submit a demo or do anything. Mm-hmm. You just need to put your name down on a list. It doesn't matter how like, yeah. fucking shit you are. Yeah, it's like um, an open mic comedy scene. Yeah. yeah. Ex- exactly, right? And that stuff's so important. And if those if that stuff didn't exist, you know, who knows? Jebediah probably might not exist either. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of what got us going. We did this band competition. We won. We ended up winning the the national final. Our manager was a judge. That's how we ended up getting it. So who you know? Booking agents. Um, no, but he wasn't. He was. He was. <laughs> no, he he, a, he was a judge of this competition, and we played in the competition, and he saw us and was like. I want to ah, manage you. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it so, wasn't the other way around. Yeah. So that's how we found a manager. That's how we found a booker. That's how right. we got more well, gigs. Did you have um, um, like your sort of radar open? Because I know you're coming in like starry-eyed teens and, and young 20-year-olds. Were you aware that you might have been taken advantage of? Like you see all the all the mu- music bio, um, biography movies and there's always a dodgy, shifty manager. Yeah. Like, you know, that's N- NWA, the manager's yeah. like ripping them off. Sign here. All the bands, <laughs> yeah. Ray Charles, all, it's always the shifty manager. Were you guys like aware of that? Or were you just like, whatever, just give us someone and we'll, we'll go with it? Yeah, no, we were very, very naive. Yeah. And absolutely, if I could go back and have my time again, there would definitely be things that I would do differently. Yeah. Um, we were, and, and even our manager, you know, he was a local Perth guy. Um, and he'd, you know, he'd only, see, he was a, a guy who booked bands into local pubs and stuff. He'd never had any experience outside of WA. So mm-hmm. he was new to it all as well. So once we started getting into the world of, you know, major labels and dealing with people over East and, 
um, we were all uh, completely naive. Yeah, I was going to say, um, how would you know what to ask, like money-wise or record-wise? How did you stop yeah. yourself from – or I don't know if you did stop yourself. How would you stop yourself from, from getting ripped? Well, I mean, everybody – who signs for a major label is pretty much getting ripped off. <laughs> you know? like, it's, you know, it's really, it's just a matter of like how badly. So if you're a band that's been signed for a major label, it's like, well, obviously you got ripped off. Did you just get ripped off a little bit? Did you get ripped off heaps? Mm. And if you just got ripped off a little bit, it's like, oh, well, done. congratulations. That worked out a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but so yeah, you know, we ended up signing to a label called Murmur, and and we uh, and there was a bidding war for Jebediah too, and it got stupid. People were, I was still living with my parents, right? And I remember like, <laughs> um, you know, some guy from Warner's in Sydney, like I don't even know how he found my fucking number, but he's called me up because we were, you know, really close to signing with Murmur, who were a subsidiary of Sony that was Silverchair's label. That's what made them sort of yeah. famous. Yep. Um, and this guy from Warner's called me up, and I'm like. 18 years old <laughs> and he's just like you know i know you're you know in deep with sony now and stuff but i just gotta tell you mate you know you gotta think these things through you know making a big decision you gotta and i was just like how did you get my fucking <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck is going on um it was crazy and and um and yeah there was a lot like you know a lot of money was being um was being offered, like in terms of publishing and stuff, and we tried to make the best decision we could at the time, which was like you know, uh, Murmur, you know, with Silverchair and, and and a local bank called Ammonia who, who was signed to them, and something for Kate, and just it just felt like the best fit, and yeah. it wasn't you know. So in the end, we didn't end up kind of taking the money. Yeah. We went, we we tried to kind of you know. Uh, have sort of confidence and faith in ourselves and do something that we felt, mm. you know, was going to work creatively. And it did, it did. But, um, you know, there are times when I look back and think, oh, maybe I should have just taken the money and bought a house. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> you know, it's a bit different. When I was like 18. <laughs> it's a bit different now. Like you've got Spotify, you can upload your own sort yeah. of tracks. You almost have Do you think it's better for control. music or worse for music what's happening now? Like I guess you would well, never need a manager because your manager is called YouTube now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just different. I mean, it, it, it's – it's completely different. I mean, like yeah. the industry is completely different now than it was back in the nineties. So, you know, I guess when I came along, it was kind of just the last wave of pre-internet, you know, and mm, and yeah. all the and all the things that kind of went with that. So now it's completely different. Um, is it better or worse? It's both. Yeah. It's yeah. it's better and it's worse. It's it's better. <laughs> yeah. This is the way I see it, right? This is I'm going to put it as simply as possible. You know, the best thing about the internet and about Spotify and about YouTube and all these things that have come along the last 20 years is that it, it has made music accessible to everybody. Anybody, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, where you live in the world, you can make music and you can have it listened to by the whole world um, without any gatekeepers getting in the way. Mm. And so you know, which is brilliant. The worst thing about all that is that you can be somebody, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, where you live, anywhere in the world, you can make music that's completely accessible to everybody and have it all put out there. So it means that, like, you you know, you're getting the best, but you're also getting the worst. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of, there's a lot of, sometimes, I, you know, gatekeepers suck, right? Gatekeepers do suck. Yeah. But, um, but there's a lot of shit music out there that probably should never see the light of day as well. Yeah. It's coming to my so, mind. I can't remember who it was on Jackie O. She was two hours late to their gig and they just ripped, like, fucking ripped them. Um, it might have been Friends or Rump or one of those guys. It was. Yeah, yeah it was Friends And he just fucking yeah. shut them down really well with Kyle and Jackie O. And Kyle cracked the shits. He's like, well, fuck you. He's like, well, you've never played our music anyway, you fuck. I know. <laughs> I that thought he handled was... it so fucking well. Good. Ah, that's, yeah, uh, that was brilliant. I remember when that happened, he, yeah. when that happened and, um, you know, so many bands around Australia at the time were um, <laughs> listening to that and just loving it. Leader. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. Because I mean, Carl was a obviously he'd never he didn't know who Friends or Rom were, right? Yeah. And I reckon he went into that interview thinking, "Oh, it's this fucking dumbass, fucking <laughs> punk rock kid, um, the doctor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking tear him to shreds." Yeah. You know, this this stupid idiot, not knowing that. 
Jay and Lindsay from Friends of Rome are actually highly intelligent yeah. people. Yeah, who, well spoken. Uh, yeah, he did not. Kyle did not know what the fuck he was getting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was and it was brilliant. He totally uh, he totally overestimated his own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he, he yeah. And I don't know. If, I, I don't know how anybody could listen back to that recording and yeah. and not and, yeah. and think that you know Kyle. Came out, yeah. On top. I don't know when it happened. I don't know for some reason. It, it I, I watched it in my car only a few weeks ago, and I just thought it was brilliant. So yeah. I think somebody put me on it. Go listen to this. I was like, all right, that's fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah um, it's on. It's on. I think it's on YouTube, isn't it? Yeah. So just the, the audio recording of it. I guess the, the hardest thing now as well with for music, musicians with YouTube and that is you have to make 30-second songs for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, I, look, I can't even contribute to a discussion on TikTok because I've never used it. I, I, I don't – I'm really only – I'm kind of unsure exactly of what it is. Mate, that's probably I, I the best this, answer you could give. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay Well, away. it's just – all I know about it is – and this is from like, you know – having nieces and, and, and nephews is that um, it's just like people doing these dance routines. Yes, it's it's, like- it's just <laughs> it's actually giving some people a way to make money from dancers. <laughs> like, once you finish dancing in high school, you can probably drop out of high school to be a TikTok dancer now. So in that way, well, it's probably well, good. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, it's – look, the, the, the thing – the way that I've been kind of thinking about this more recently, um, you know, is – uh, sort of looking to the future and how the way thing the way everything's headed is like I'm kind of hopeful that because I accept that we live in a world now where things like that exist. TikTok yeah. exists. Yeah. Like yeah. Instagram influences exist. It's yeah. a real thing. Doesn't matter how much I what I think about it. It doesn't. It's they're not going to go away just because I don't like it or I yeah. think it's great. Uh, so. So all this stuff exists that is, you know, has been bred from all these technological changes and it's going to happen and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah, just um, it. Well, there's some, some people can, you know, turn it into a job, which is, you know, once you get your head around that, that that is actually a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- which took took me a little bit of time because it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? But now I'm kind of like, now I'm like, no, this is, okay, so this is the future or this is now and this is how it all works. And I'm hoping that the future... You know, it's just going to be uh, an environment where there's just going to be this vast array of like, you know, subcultures or you know, different cultures. It's huge. So instead of instead of as we move forward, um, you know, in order to make space for these new things, we have to lose other things. Mm. I'm seeing the future as just being a ever uh, just an expanding thing where like there's mm. there's just room for everything, and so. You well, know, there is room for everything, right? Like, yeah. just because something's in doesn't make something else disappear. You're still going to have your people that are keen on that. And Except that's a beautiful Dr. thing Zeus about books. Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess cancel culture has a big thing to do with that, actually. They just, you would never have a band called the Jerk Offs, <laughs> like with Karen's. So they were like, that's offensive. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Even your name was a- off uh, Jebediah Springfield, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that, is that right? Yes, yeah, Jebediah Springfield. Yeah, well, thank God we didn't call ourselves Apu. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, well, it would have been over. Yeah, no, no good. <laughs> I was thinking before, was your dog's name Santa's little helper that you were letting in as well? My dog's actually named after a uh, Lily Allen song. Oh, oh yeah, which, um, which one? Alfie, who went on to become an actor in Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's Reek, wasn't he? Well, uh, again, I have, I've only watched – I couldn't make it past the first season of Game of Thrones. Oh, um, you got to stick in there. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, don't bother, mate. Oh, last well, season yeah, fucked Alfie, it her off. brother, is Reek, I'm pretty sure, and he gets his nuts cut off for like a whole season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, That's so, right. Oh, speaking of which, is your dog castrated? <laughs> that would yeah, match. That would match yeah, him perfectly. He, he actually is. Yeah. Oh, there we yeah. go. Um, maybe before we move on to your personal um, uh, career and like your, your solo, 
What was your biggest mm-hmm. highlight? I mean, you know, for us guys that like Branchy and I played in a band for about a month <laughs> in high school and like I'm a, I'm a bit of a freestyle uh, rapper. So yep. like playing in front of a crowd's awesome. What was your biggest highlight or like did you have your meet your heroes moment? I saw you've opened like for some of the guys I love like Hilltop Hoods, you've, you've gigged with them, but then you open for some of the bigger acts. What was your, oh my God, we've made it or I can't believe we're doing this with this person yeah. sort of moment? Mm. It's really hard to kind of, you know, narrow it down to one because there's so many different moments. Yeah. I mean, one of the, in terms of just like, if we were just looking at like gigs, yeah, um, then the one that I always sort of go back to when I'm asked about this stuff is the Big Day Out Tour in 2000. Oh, um, sick. Which one? We were Big day out to oh, yeah. 2000. Yep. We were, we'd done it the year before. We played the main stage, but we were like the second band on it, like 12 o'clock in the afternoon or something. Yeah. So it was fucking, you know, which was amazing because yep. we were, you know, we'd only been a band for like four years. Um, yep. Yeah. But then the next year, um, we did it again. And this time we were on the main stage again, but we were on sort of late afternoon. That's sick. Just um, as that sun's going down. Yeah, that's a good time. And it, so we were going on after – we went on after Blink-182. What? Oh, so Blink-182 yeah. opened for Jebediah. Yeah. That's the headline that we're getting out of this. <laughs> Blink-182 were on before us. Good luck, boys. Um, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the, the, so the, 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 by the time we were on stage, you know, like in Sydney and Gold Coast, you know, you're playing to like 30,000 people. It's just mm, people as nuts. far as the eye can see and the, it, the stadium's full and – um, and you know, a, a, a good few thousand of those people at the front are all jumping up and down at exactly the same t- in unison, yeah, you know, to, to to some of the songs and um and and the sing-alongs and stuff. And you know, it was just that's kind of like that, that's kind of like the biggest kind of shows or yeah. the biggest crowd response that I've ever experienced. Just, um, the, just the energy it would bring would be it'd just be yeah, it'd be buzzing. It's like yeah. Yeah, well, you're kind of you, you. The the way that it feels is like you're. It's like an out of body experience. Mm, you're sort mm. of doing. You're doing this thing, but you're operating in some kind of like. I don't know, you're just not. Where? Yeah. And and it was only and 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 you realise it because you come off stage sometimes. It, you come off stage off something like that and you don't remember anything that's happened. Yeah. That's because of all the boozies have been knocking back. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's like this thing that happens and, you know, it's, you play relatively short sets in those things. So, it's, you know, you're not, we wouldn't have been playing for an hour. It would probably be like 40 minutes or whatever. It goes like, yeah. it just goes really, really fast. There's mm. so much adrenaline Any... and it finishes and you're like, and it was, I remember after the Sydney one, you know, we, after the gig, we're going, going back to our hotel, getting changed, getting ready to go to the after party, and Channel V was on the TV. Yeah, yeah v, that's right. How good. Channel V were replaying the set that we just played Sick. a few hours earlier, oh. and we were so we were so while we were sort of getting ready to go back out again, we were had this on, we were watching it on the TV, and it's like, oh right, yeah, that's right, that happened. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> that's like, sick. So you kind of, and that's how you realise that at the time you were kind of like. In having this weird out of body experience, so, but anyway, the other thing that I want to mention too is like so. So that's kind of like a gig example. Yeah. But like a, another example of just like a life moment. Yeah. Of which there are tons, but one that I that sticks that really sticks in my mind really well is like, um, Jeb's in America. We've been driving in a van, which we started. Um, God, we started in Toronto. We'd, we'd gone all the way across Canada to Vancouver. Then we started going south through America, you know, so uh, the US, sorry, through, you know, Seattle and LA and down, mm-hmm. down to San Diego and turned the corner and done all along the Mexican border, playing all through the south, Florida, and then started heading up north. Um, and I, th- I don't know where we played the night before, probably somewhere like Philadelphia or something. And we're in the van, it's just the four of us, our sound guy and our tour manager. And I think people, we just started sort of emerging from van sleeps and stuff. And Vanessa was driving. And I just sort of remember kind of emerging from this kind of sleep and waking up. Uh, and the van was really quiet. Everyone was just kind of looking out the window. I looked out the window. And up in the distance, 
to my left, you know, we saw the, the you know, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers and the, the sort of skyline of, of New York City. Yeah. Sort of just appearing in the distance. And we'd, I'd never seen it before. Yeah. And I just remember the van, no one was talking. Everyone was just looking out their window. And I think everyone was kind of taking in the same thing. It's like, fuck, like, yeah. there's a feeling of like, you know, we drove into New York for the first time and there's something about arriving in a city like that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty sentimental and I'm prone to, you know, um, you know, having pretty a touching, pretty romantic kind of like yeah. to, to things. You know, that's just who I am, and and yeah, like that was a moment where it was kind of like, wow, I can't believe that was in the year two thousand. So five yeah. years after the band had formed, yeah, it was like we're here because of this fucking thing that the four of us do together. All yeah, those awesome. time spent in rehearsals, right, getting stoned, having a fun time, like writing these songs, just mm. playing, just mucking around as mates. And now look at where we are. We're in New York. We're going to be playing at fucking CBGB's tonight. That's or whatever, sweet. you know, or the Bowery Ballroom. And and we're, we were just these fucking kids from Bull yeah. Creek and Leeming in Perth. And now all of a sudden we're in Manhattan and you know, you just going from the Rosemount Hotel. Like, yeah, you know, it's really fucking cool. That's awesome. You know, I had the and, same experience and, as I flew into Exmouth to do a stand up gig. It's like, I'm know. just a Wanneroo boy all the way up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's classic. But yeah, um, that's awesome. I like that romanticism about that as well, though, because it is cool. It's just something that you've done with your brains and your mouths and your bodies. That's right. And you yeah. got together and done it in unison, and it's fucking brought you from Perth to the Big Apple. Like, that's sick. Yeah, we did it. And, and yeah, sure, you know, like you get help along the way. You couldn't do it without the support. You know, you have your managers and your record company and all those, all those people are involved. There's lots of moving parts. But essentially it's something that you, we did ourselves. Yeah. It was a thing yeah. that we started, we invented. We started going into a room together and making noise, not having any idea where it would lead, not mm. having any ambitions. I mean, fuck. Ooh. You heard it here first, kids. <laughs> Don't have ambition and you're up in New York. <laughs> you know, and that's my manager calling me. And I said to her, I said, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing press. So <laughs> I have to wait until, fuck. so I, okay, that, that's, so, that's so you've arrived in New York with a band and you've gone, you know what? Fuck this. I'm doing it by myself. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's branch well, let's, out. That happened a few years later. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, well, kind of, I, I mean, I'd say. always, I'd always been writing. I mean, I was, in the years before Jeb and I were formed, I was writing songs on an acoustic guitar. That's how I, that's how I kind of learned how to write, you yeah. know. Um, and so I had always, I'd been doing it before Jeb and I, and I'd been doing it while I was in Jeb and I. And I think it just got to a time where it was like, I want to do something more with this, you know, make a record. Um, and so, yeah, it was just in a lot of ways, you know, because, you know, a lot of people see Bob Evans is coming after Jeb at R, and so you know a lot of people were surprised about this departure. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, going yeah. from Jeb at R to Bob Evans. But for me, it was not like that at all because it, for me, it felt like I was just going back to what I was doing at the beginning. Similar to Pharrell Jeb and his band. Like Pharrell um, was always in his band, but then he was doing NERD. his own thing as well. Yeah. Oh, uh, any idea? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because he was he was part of that, but he was doing his own thing as well. So it's like, yeah, people forget that. There are individuals yeah. in the band yeah. that do things yeah. because they like it yeah. and they do things together. It's like a footy team. Well, like, you know, you got Nick Nat that does what he likes and then goes and plays for Eagles and do what they want. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well it's, well, it's like people, it's like if somebody was like, saw, you know, Nick Nat Nui, you know, dunking it down at the basketball yeah. court. <laughs> and people are going, oh, wow, that's, wow, I just saw this footballer. Yeah. Yeah. He was like <laughs> playing fucking basketball. It's a totally different sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, and whereas Nick's like, well, I was playing basketball for years before yeah. fucking well, someone threw exactly. a footy in my hands, you know. It is like largely a different sort of, not genre, but like a different feel and tempo for most of your songs, the, the, your solo projects. Um, is that like a conscious thing, a different creative outlet? I mean, I guess what it, I mean, when I first started doing it, it allowed me to do stuff that I knew, Jeb, I knew I couldn't, there were these songs that I was writing that I couldn't, take into a Jebediah room. Yeah. It just wouldn't. And the other guys wouldn't want to do it. it. It just, 
it just didn't fit. Like the acoustic so version I, of I, Fuck I, the Police by NWA. Like, <laughs> yes. You're like, I'm going to slow this one down. <laughs> well, it's like, well, it's more like, it's more like, you know, 12 songs all written about how much I love my girlfriend. <laughs> like, fuck off, dude. We're not. Yeah. yeah like, Jevonar is not the fucking vessel yeah. for you to, yeah, you know, to do that stuff. So, so, um, so, yeah, so I knew that there was stuff that, um, if I wanted this stuff to come out, it would ha- I'd have to, you know, do it in a different forum. But also, too, it quickly became evident over the following sort of decade that um, Jebediah does what it does, and it's not, and it's fun. It's still fun, but Jebediah kind of just does Jebediah, and like if I want to explore other things, mm. I need to do it outside. It's kind of like a marriage, right? Yeah, it's like you know. When you're with someone and, you know, you've got the things that you do together, right? Then you go to the swingers um, club. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you want to explore some kinks, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to go somewhere else to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I mean that's a bad example, and not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we get what you mean. Um, yeah, but I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm almost 100 percent sure that my wife's not going to hear this. But um, but but yeah, I mean, I like so so that's what Bob has kind of turned into. It's kind of like, well, you know. If I want to explore different styles or if I want to indulge is probably a better word. If I want to indulge in like a, a sound or, a, or an influence or something that I'm really into, that then Bob means that I can just do it. I don't have to yeah. approach the other three other people, have big conversations about it, you know, try and fit in other people's ideas, go through all that bullshit. I can just go, I want to do this, and I can just do it. Yeah. yeah. So was it? Was so it? That's what Bob. That's what Bob does for me. Jebediah is a democracy, and look, democracies are great, but fuck, they can be a pain in the ass as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so some, well, sometimes you just want to be a, just want to be the dictatorships are fucking horrible for everybody except the, you dictator. Before, the dictator. The dictator, they're great. Yeah, the way you described it before was a dictatorship. You agree and then everyone else agrees. <laughs> you suggest it and everyone else agrees. Yeah. Okay. Supreme so, yeah, leader, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a dictator. No, it's still, well, maybe it's kind of like a um, some form of democracy. I'm the, people's, to think of, uh, the People's Democratic <laughs> Republic of North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you've just... Oh. It's that kind no, of democracy. It's kind of like, um, maybe it's more like Russia. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they they are a democracy. They have elections, but you know, yeah. they just, <laughs> but they shoot everyone they, that they, votes against the leader. Yeah, you know, allegedly. I mean, yeah, allegedly. Um, I I would hope I would hope that Jeb and I would never get it to a point where you know Chris <laughs> or Vanessa have to go on a hunger strike to try and get one of their ideas across. Um, why why the name Bob Evans um, instead of Kevin Mitchell? Because like we uh, we had a bit of fake news about you randomly actually last week. Yeah, this- we do a segment called Fake News, or we are just we look at the news and see how much bullshit's out there, or we right. we ask our guests any rumors that we've heard about themselves. So obviously. The Bob Evans thing, Branch, if you wanted to take over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so the Bob Evans thing last week, and we had no idea that this interview was happening this week, so pretty yeah. random it happened, but Lucy Erwing, a, a local um, WA comedian, she was talking, I can't remember what she was talking about, but she suggested there was a reason you you used the name Bob Evans and then she messaged us today when when we, when we the other day when we uh, posted that you were coming on and she said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to fact check that because yeah. it could it's have been wrong. It's an <laughs> author's name? Or a, yeah, an author's name. Or Shakespeare's Shakes- work or yes. something. Yeah, Shakespeare was using Bob Evans as his name or something. Something along those lines. Yeah. But you no, put the... I where, I don't, I've got no idea where that came from. Exactly. So Set you the put the record straight for us. Exactly. Um, no, it's, it, this, this is what happened, right? I, <laughs> I was... Um, I'd, it was probably about 1998 or 1999 or something like that, and I um, decided that, you know, I wanted to play a gig playing these songs that I've been writing. Just do, like, a little five-song set at the Grosvenor back room. Oh, sorry, Grosvenor front room yeah, in the Grosvenor, late 90s. Yeah, yeah it was just a was, – which was really – it was the home of, you know, indie bands and stuff in Perth for, for in the 90s. It was just a little, tiny little place, only held a couple hundred people back. Yeah. 
Um, but it was awesome. And, you, you know, this was back in the days where, you, like, everyone just used to, like, smoke inside and, like, just put, put their, their butts, butts out on the f- carpet. Oh, like yeah. Russia. You know? <laughs> 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 it was fucking great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had this gig booked for, it was like a Wednesday night at the Grosvenor Front Room. And, um, and the you know, the day had come along where, you know, back in the days of street press, you, you know, you'd have to put your gig in the gig listing and, the Express magazine, Express would come out on a Thursday, so you know you had to have your gig thing Express. in by the Tuesday, so yeah. get into print and everything. So, so my manager calls me up. He's like, "Okay, this we've got to you know add your name into this gig listing." He already knew that I didn't want to do it under Kevin Mitchell because I didn't wasn't playing Jebediah songs, and I didn't want people to um, yeah. come along and expect that. Mm. So he uh, he knew that I wanted to just make up some other name, so no one would knew who I was. So he calls me up and says, well, what are you going to call yourself? And I was just sitting on the couch in my share house, um, looking around, <laughs> and I just cast my eyes downwards and written on the front of the T-shirt I was wearing was Bob Evans. Mm. And so <laughs> I was like, I'll be Bob Evans. Right. And that was that. that, was that. Well, what T-shirt so the, was it? It was, it was like, Bob I Evans. It, I, <clears throat> I bought it from an op shop. Um, so I think it was like a homemade sort of sports. It was a T-shirt. It was blue. Because it had Bob Evans on the front, and at the back it had the number fifteen, kind of, uh, and they were both sort of iron, like iron-ons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick. So I reckon it was like someone had made it for. They were probably in some like amateur, you know, basketball team or something. Um, <laughs> so there's some guy some, named you know, Bob Evans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, and and yeah, I bought it from this op shop, and you know, I wore it all the time, and I was wearing it that day, so. Uh, I gave myself that name and then I did it. The gig was obviously I did the gig and decided I wanted to do another one. So I was Bob Evans again and just sort of kept on going and just never, yeah, just never, never really changed, changed it. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Because I, 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 Delby and me, like you mentioned before, we did have a little a band in high school. That band, me and the other two members sort of progressed and kept together post high school. And we used to play in places like the Grosvenor and the uh, Swan Basement. Yeah, right. Rosemount Hotel, yeah. um, you know, Hyde Park, and you'd get like 10 people and they'd give us a fucking $100 bar card and we would be stoked nice. to just get up there and play. Yeah. Yeah. And his band's name was Evans Bob, so it's, <laughs> it's really weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, and I guess um, you've gotten into podcasting yourself as well and I've seen 2016's when you started. So you were, mm. I'd say, an early adopter before the – Straight white male fad yeah, took yeah. over, and everyone <laughs> yeah. has a podcast. How did you find that, and what was like your like lead into that? Yeah, well, I, I don't, don't consider myself an early adopter because you know a lot of the podcasts I listen to have been going since like 2011. Yeah, yeah. you know when it was really kind of um, kind of you know guerrilla radio type stuff. Yeah, it was um, like Ricky Gervais, and you had like Joe Rogan was fully underground, like those sort of yeah. And, there were local, you know, you know, people like Will Anderson and stuff doing yeah. it in Australia. So, um, but no, it was, I think it was just, you know, oh, look, there's a, there's a few different reasons. I mean, it was, my manager suggested that it was something that I could do. Um, the appeal of it for me was, you know, I, we just moved, my family just moved, left, uh, moved out, out of Melbourne and, to a place called Ocean Grove, which is about an hour and a half away on the beach. Lovely place, but, you know, sort of, you know, away f- from the city and our friends and family and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And also had two young kids, both, uh, they're both school age now, but uh, back then they were, um, you know, in, in kindy and daycare and all that kind of, you know, they were at home a lot anyway. Mm. Um, and I, it was, you know, the, one of the big appeals to me was just the, it just gave me the ability to have grown-up conversations with some <laughs> some people that I people that I knew, um, because you know I was essentially when I wasn't on tour, I was a stay-at-home dad for yeah. want of a better term. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not really probably a term that we shouldn't really use, but um, stay-at-home mums, stay-at-home dads, whatever. Yeah. It's just your yeah, mums and dads. Yeah. But um, when I wasn't away, I was at home, and I was also a dad, and so. Yeah, you do kind of that. That in itself is isolating. And then also when you're when you move away from the city and all you know all of that, that as well is isolating. So yeah, I kind of just I enjoyed it because it kind of just gave me this long form, hour long opportunity 
to just have deep adult conversations with people that I liked. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, the, the thing that me and Delby love the most is it's just a cool chat that sometimes you don't get to have those chats normally. Yeah, without no, screen time. Well, that's right. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and it's not also not done, you know, under the cloud of, you know, booze or drugs at yeah. 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, a <laughs> couple of our episodes <laughs> <Some>. may have. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, yeah. maybe but, just to get started, you yeah. know. <laughs> An 8.30 in the morning one where uh, the only drug we've got in our system is caffeine. So. Speak for yourself, <laughs> mate. Exactly. <laughs> I'm jacked up and rocking here. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, and... And yeah, and I guess also as I've gone, as I once I got started doing it, you know, I I realised too that there was something, you know, in the in the music, the Australian music community, there wasn't really anything else like it, and mm. um, and pe- I realised that people who were, you know, either part of that community or or interested in that community really like enjoyed listening to the podcast because it just gave them a it was a way to kind of listen to musicians talking to each other about their jobs yeah. about their lives yeah. their lifestyles that you just didn't really hear anywhere else and yeah. um yeah the so, ultimate fly on the wall or fly in the ear it, i guess yeah, yeah that's right yeah, yeah. i mean because it's not the same as when you do interviews with press and stuff like that because yeah. you know you're talking up the a tour or a record or um but you know you're not t- talking about how you know no one turned up to you show yeah. and the <laughs> or like you know you turned up to a show and you hadn't slept because you know your kids had been a stick or like you had to go to the hospital and usually could, rock stars you know, haven't slept for different reasons but, uh. <laughs> well that's well that's yeah that's some you know those days are over but they definitely happen yeah. but um but yeah so you you just don't talk about that kind of stuff in an interview or or press or whatever because a you know you're supposed to be promoting something and b i guess you that's just the the nitty-gritty or inverted commas boring stuff Mm -hmm. that happens in your life i mean and it's every musician has got you know at the end of the day they they you know they shit on the toilet and they (laughs) they gotta go take to school and you know there's all that real life stuff everybody has it but um we don't often talk about it and then in the podcast you know we talk about a lot about that sort of stuff and i think people are kind of interested in it purely because it's not what they're used to hearing about yeah it's quite voyeuristic but also just to realize that if you're a musician or a celebrity you're pretty much you're just a person that's the same as everyone else but they just like to hear oh fuck you know they do their taxes. Well, yeah. it depends on who. It's not, it's not Jimmy Carr, but I mean, you're like, you know, you're like, oh, they, they do what we do, you know. Yeah. It's quite nice. But um, yeah. right, you did say those days are over. It did remind me, I was going to ask you the question, when you were touring with Big Day Out, Blink 182 and all that, are there any backstage moments that spring to mind, like loose party moments? Yeah. Or stuff that you've just gone, I can't believe that fucking happened. Like, that's insane. Like you got the yeah, rock stars well, that turn their furniture upside down in the hotel rooms or anything like that. Have you got any any juicy goss that you've seen that you couldn't believe? Oh, uh, look, not really. I mean, there's a there's stuff like there's a lot of things that I could could talk about. You know, <laughs> fear of being incrimin- incriminating evidence. Just say allegedly, like, yeah, allegedly <laughs> before everything. <laughs> but no, there was on that 2000. Oh, oh, I can't remember which big data it was. Maybe it was 2000. There was one. Um, yeah, Marilyn Manson was um, on the tour, and um, you know it's interesting, sort of, you know the things that have come to light more recently. Mm, you know about yeah, yeah, the uh, sex you know, slaves and stuff. His abu- yeah, yeah, his abuse, and, and you know, look, should, should we really? Should anyone really be surprised by that? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I know like he, his people that liked him kind of suggest, you know, I think they were they were attracted to the idea that he was playing a character and he was really pushing, yeah, some, you know, some quite extreme ideas and that there was a, an appeal to that. And I get that on a purely artistic level, but, you know, as it turns out, he was probably, you know, probably expressing more of himself than we, <laughs> we yeah. realised. Yeah. But anyway, there was just weird stuff that I saw that tour. Like um, I remember, you know, rock, turning up to Adelaide Airport and for some reason on the Big Dart tour, the only airport in Australia where shitloads of people would be, were like mostly kids, would be waiting 
when you got off the plane. Yeah. It was in Adelaide. It was the only place. It's because that's the only thing that was happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it really kind of, it gave me a real different idea about Adelaide. I was like, why does this only happen in Adelaide? It's so fucking weird. But yeah, so we rock, get off the plane in Adelaide. A lot of the, uh, you know, you're, you're all on the same flights and stuff like that. And so, you know, we're getting off the plane. There's hundreds of kids all there, like autograph hunting and taking photos and stuff. And obviously, they're not terribly interested in, you know, Jebediah. They're more they're more there for the big, you know, international kind of people. And I just remember, like, you know, I was, we were wait, must have been waiting for our bags to come off the carousel or whatever. And we were hanging out with Regurgitator, just sitting outside, probably smoking a cigarette or something like that, and waiting for our bags and, you know, all the Australian bands, you know, doing that. Well, well, out the well, this massive big sort of two massive tour bus rocks up and that's the Marilyn Manson crew, you know, they just get straight off the plane and onto a bus. They're not sitting around waiting for their fucking bags yeah. to come off the carousel. Well, yeah. it depends. Some of them were waiting for their bags, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not well, off the carousel. That's from somebody's butt that was in the back of the plane. <laughs> like, there were all these kids and, and, uh, and you know, a lot of girls, these are underage girls, right? And, um, you know, they're all, they know that they're on, these Marilyn Manson people are on this bus and so they're all yelling out, you know, calling out to them. And I just remember seeing like one of them, um, he, the window opens and it's, what had happened was he, he passed out like this bottle of his, he pissed in this bottle and what the fuck? handed it out the window and giving it to this kid. You know, and like, it was just, it was just, it was just kind of like, ah, you know, really? Well, <laughs> yes, it's like, there's fucking rock and roll in this. He wasn't abusing somebody. I'm not saying that. No, that I don't know. But, that. but, um, but you know, I just, it just sticks in my mind. I remember seeing it and going, oh, you know, that's a bit strange. Oh, I thought you um, said this. I thought you were going to say the kid drank it. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> who fucking knows what they did with Mate, it? They, um, his sort of fans, though, they would have kept it and like they have it on their notes. Absolutely. Just, yeah. yeah, totally. Or go commit a crime yeah. and leave his DNA there. <laughs> <laughs> and then no well, one like, will be like, oh, have, yeah, they killed someone, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. you, could, you could imagine them, you know, like waking up one day. <laughs> Um, and the bottle of piss has disappeared, and they're like, uh, Mum, like, was there a bottle of weir? And she's like, Oh, that was t- that's disgusting. You know, I, yeah. I threw it out. What are you What are you doing peeing in a bottle? Why don't you just go to the toilet like an old person? Uh. And the kid just being, Mum, you threw out Marilyn Manson's piss. What were you? Oh, my God, you've ruined my life. I hate you. That's um, a hell of a I was gonna, I was gonna sip a little bit every, each day from that and feel closer to Marilyn Manson, you Just know. Um, but he also at the backstage of the big day out in Perth, especially, it was always so fucking hot. Yeah, um, so was know, the boiler room. So was, oh, was, yeah, it really was. There were days where you know we'd go on stage facing the sun. It was like forty degrees, and yeah. Um, so what they would do, they'd have this like little inflatable pool at the back. Sick. Um, so for you to just jump in, and it was it was great. You'd come off stage, literally just strip down to your undies and jump into this inflatable pool and just Very good. you know cool down because you'd be fucking you know on the verge of passing out from heat stroke or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. And so anyway, that but of course you know Marilyn Manson had to go and fucking slice. Walked past it, he sliced it open, oh, and what? ended up flooding. Ended up flooding the fucking backstage area. Jesus, with piss or with the pool? Fucking Jesus! I mean, look. By the time he did it, you know, quite a few people had used it. That water was probably pretty gross. Yeah, by okay. anyway. it was just a hell germaphobe. It probably was. But, um, but look, like I know that those aren't the kind of stories that you were probably. No, <laughs> but they're, well, they're different. They're yeah. little <laughs> unique. Ones. Yeah. And that's and this is what we're talking about. This is why people listen to podcasts. They want to hear that fucking weird yeah. shit that you never hear <laughs> on a fucking you know a mainstream radio station interview or something like that. So, so we'll just <laughs> reframe it as Marilyn Manson's afraid of drowning. <laughs> so. Mate, we're very conscious of the fact you only got an hour. So um, before we finish up, we'll just get you to talk. Or is there anything yeah. else? No, I was gonna say we can. Plug Plug, we'll plug um, the tour that yeah. you've got coming up. 
Um, or the album. And the album that you sort of just released. Um, I know we just yeah. talked about, you know, you just <laughs> <laughs> podcasts and stuff aren't about doing, you know, your promo tours and stuff like that. Oh, but we yeah. always plug everything at the end of ours. Um, you do have one coming up soon. So do you want to talk about that and what's happening? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, my album Tomorrowland has just been released. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is that, where well, you can buy it, you can stream it, you can do whatever you want to do with it. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, yes, I'm going on tour all through uh, the month of June, um, starting up in Brisbane on June the 4th, uh, Adelaide, Perth, uh, New nice. South Wales, ending in Victoria uh, on the 26th of June. So, um, on the 26th, okay, well, come nice. along, I'll put you on the door. <laughs> Not, um, <laughs> Not really, I guess, but still can't. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny, so, most uh, people skip Perth because like, you're from here. It's a nice way to come back. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah I'm doing the Roseman Hotel on the 12th of June, oh, Margaret River as well. I'm that taking, is my uh, favourite Sh- favorite venue in Perth. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. Taking Siobhan Cochin on tour with me, who's a young West Australian singer-songwriter cool. who um, I haven't seen perform yet, but I've um, heard her music and she's really, really great. Um uh, so, yeah, yeah, tickets to all of those shows. I guess you just go to my website, bob, bobevans.com.au. Or just, I mean, people know how to use the fucking internet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that I think sometimes it's like, you know, and where can you, you know, where, where can, can we get things? It's like, Google you know it. what? <laughs> fucking go to Google, type in Bob Evans, you know, tour. Yeah, yeah. And, you find it. You know, if, if you're not a complete fucking idiot, you're probably going to figure it out in a couple of seconds. Well, it's you funny know? you mention that because I was on the Green Reapers party the other day with the boys and um, Chris White, he created Tensions. I don't know if you ever watched any of the Tensions videos back in the day, but he was saying no. like for people to get um, tickets to that, they'd have to go to their local surf shop and buy the tickets in person and, and have to wait <laughs> for like for the next load yeah. to come in. So, yeah, times have changed. Yeah. They sure have. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, I mean, you know, it's like harking back to the big day out. Oh yeah, I remember you, you you go to the record, you know, you go to Mills in Fremantle yeah. or seventy eights in Perth to to buy your um, big day yeah. ticket and stuff. Yeah, that was how that was how you did it. Yeah. And another blast from the past too that's kind of similar but different is I remember the first time I voted for the Triple J Hottest One Hundred. Oh yeah. It was like you had to cut out a little thing from like the newspaper or street, but like they had this little what? thing that had a bunch of songs with little boxes next to them. Wow. And you, you know, you numbered the boxes. Oh my God. Um, and then you stuck it in an envelope and you posted it to the ABC in Sydney. It's funny that we're ragging on that bit for being the old technique, but they still do that for the fucking electoral votes. Yeah. You've got to go in that's and right. unroll a scroll of fucking 50 people. You don't that's know. Because, number them. That's because elections can be stolen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a good point, though. I mean, is that like is the reason why they maintain that method? Maybe to so they can go back and show is it. Who knows, man? Because, I would have I mean, thought rubbing somebody... out some pencil was way easier than hacking a computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You'd think so, right? I mean, you'd think that if somebody wants to rig an election, yeah. they're going to find a way. Like, Or if somebody go, already has way, rigged then. an election, <laughs> hashtag US politics. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Oh, classic. Mate, thank you so yeah, much cheers. for we coming on. Your time. Thank really you. appreciate it. Fucking really fun chat. And it's just good to have a, a good open discussion with uh, you about music and, and your life. So. Yeah. Um, well, also, really actually, it. before we uh, finish, is there a song you want us to play out the podcast with? Yeah, we can a pick new, one from your new, new album. one. Um, ooh, from uh, my record album, what about? Jeez, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Put you on the spot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about uh, bad mood? Okay, cool. bad mood. So this, right. the song you're about to hear is "Bad Mood" of uh, which Bob he Evans. hasn't been in because of this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on, yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thanks yeah, for having me. Walking around under a cloud, I was in a bed. Just like the day came into the night Now it's too late to change
something that I say.